The automobile is one of the most important inventions that revolutionized the modern world. In America, the rich history of car culture runs deep as technology continues to shape the future of the industry. Jason Stein is here to share the stories of people passionate about cars, from industry leaders and innovators to car-obsessed celebrities. Buckle up as Jason takes you inside the boardroom, onto the track, and around the bend on Cars & Culture on Sirius XM Business Radio. Welcome to Cars and Culture on Sirius XM and episode 118. I'm your host, Jason Stein. Three letters that spark emotion, passion, devotion, and tire shredding excitement. A-M-G. You don't need to be a car person to know those letters mean speed, performance, and record-setting equipment. Founded more than 50 years ago, AMG was the brainchild of two former Mercedes-Benz engineers near Stuttgart, Germany. The initials A and M were for the division's founders. Hans Werner Alfrecht and Erhard Melker, and the G was for the town Alfrecht was born in. In Mr. Alfrecht's house in Germany, they spent their time further honing the performance of an engine. In 1965, Manfred Schick, a colleague at Daimler, went to start in the German Touring Car Championship with the 300E SE engine that Alfrecht and Melker had developed. He won 10 times. Sheik's triumph formed the foundation of Alfrecht and Melker's reputation as experts for sustaining and optimizing the performance of Mercedes-Benz vehicles. The company, AMG, would become a symbol of excellence. The first racing milestone was in 1971 during the 24-hour of Spa, which went down in the annals of the company. The AMG Mercedes 300 SEL 6.8 liter was the champion in its class and won second place overall a heavy luxury sedan pulling a fast one on the competing lighter race cars. It caused a sensation, and the name AMG spread throughout the world. AMG was originally meant to design, test, and produce racing engines, but they soon found there was a demand for upgrades and customization well beyond just engines. And up until 1990, AMG produced packages as well as fully customized vehicles. But 1990 brought a major change, as Mercedes decided to recognize AMG's efforts a cooperation agreement was signed between the two groups. That allowed AMG options and fully customized cars into Mercedes showrooms, opening up the options to a greater variety of buyer. And by the end of the millennium, Mercedes went all in with AMG, buying a controlling share of it and making AMG car parts the official Mercedes-Benz lineup. Sitting at the top of the AMG chart is Michael Sheba, a man with Mercedes-Benz experience inside Germany and other markets, and now in charge of the brand. He's the CEO, and today he tells us about performance, the future, and what's to come at AMG, appropriately while sitting in an AMG. Today, AMG and Michael Shiba on Cars & Culture. Hello, this is uh, Michael Shiba. I'm the CEO of Mercedes AMG and uh, head of the business units G and Maybach. And this is Cars & Culture with Jason Stein. This is a first. We are sitting in the back of a vehicle doing a Cars and Culture interview, and I'm with the head of AMG. I couldn't think of a better place to be in order to conduct this interview than in this wonderful new advanced vehicle with you, Michael. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on the program. Appropriate that we're in one of the most technologically advanced vehicles yes. uh, that Mercedes-Benz is uh, producing right now. Tell me a little bit, tell the listener where we are and the significance of this mm -hmm. vehicle. This is the uh, Mercedes uh, AMG EQS. Uh, we just launched uh, the car a couple of months ago. Um, it's the AMG version of the EQS, uh, which is a sedan in the upper luxury segment. 
and of course uh, it's all electric which makes it different because it's based on our first all-electric platform and uh, we launched it in the market as a sedan also as an SUV uh, the EQS, S, uh, EQS SUV and we have a little brother which is the EQE and of course it has loads of power uh, comfort features like hell so everything <laughs> yeah, you can right. imagine I think you just tested yes. uh, the cooling of the seat and it has just uh, very performant driving behavior and of course everything that you can imagine or you wish from an electric car. The significance of these vehicles yeah. and, and by the way I should say that we're not only sitting in the car but we're sitting at the car at Pebble Beach yeah. just uh, steps from the AMG Star mm -hmm. Lounge. Mm -hmm. uh, the significance of having this vehicle at Pebble Beach mm -hmm. and what it means to your customers. Mm -hmm. Of course we are in the transformation from the combustion engine era in automotive manufacturing and engineering and then full throttle ahead I would say into the electric era and that was our first milestone so to say um, with the EQS and that's why it's so important here uh, this is not the newest baby of our family so what we do here at Pebble Beach is we present uh, again the Mercedes uh, uh, EQS SUV Maybach which we launched uh, at the Shanghai Auto Show in April um, and we are just about to launch it in the US market um, and uh, looking forward to the first customer deliveries there. What's been the reaction to AMG, which has been known for, um, you, you mentioned the phrase, full throttle. Yeah. Uh, th there's no other phrase that comes to mind than full <laughs> throttle with AMG, but to have an AMG um, uh, affixed to an electric vehicle, what's been the, the response to that? Um, of course, we have still this pure petrol heads in our customer base. Yeah, <laughs> just a few of them. Uh, just a few of them. But uh, when we thought about the future of AMG and of course Mercedes-Benz in general, there is no way around like just keeping the uh, combustion engine forever. So there was not not a question at all. So, but we said when we transfer AMG into the all-electric future we need to make sure that we also transfer the DNA of the brand into the future. That's why in a very early stage we thought what are the things that make an AMG real an AMG and AMG always stands for driving performance, for agility and for emotion. And emotion can be maybe the design, also the sound of the car which is you know many of us and uh, our customers know AMG for the sound of the V8s etc. And so we said okay we will have certain criteria which will become less important in the future because it doesn't really make sense to have an electric car with the sound of a V8. Right. Uh, maybe you can offer something like that, but I think it will not be the feature in the future. So we define certain criteria and say, okay, this is AMG, I would say the, the AMG profile today, mm. and this is going to be the AMG profile in the future. And sound will be an important profile feature in the future mm -hmm. as well but it will be different it will be a distinct feature but we are working on it and with our AMG EA platform which will be our first AMG dedicated electric platform Purely platform yeah. yes uh, we will also have nice sound features on board interesting yeah yeah okay so those who believe in 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 that aspect of AMG will mm -hmm. be satisfied yes with everything uh, that definitely I I assure that. Did you have to bring in sound engineers in order to uh, create such a thing? <laughs> uh, actually, we have had them on board already. I bet you yeah, have. Yes, yes. Because uh, 
you know, engineering and also the sound of our combustion uh, AMGs uh, also required sound engineers. Mm. And of course, we had to build up and, and, and gain additional resources and knowledge because uh, the sound of an electric uh, car is, has different requirements mm. to design this. Um, but um, we have a really good team on board and I have just recently uh, done a test drive with uh, one of the cars. Actually, it was an EQS which already featured the technique that we will launch in an AMG EA just to test drive it. Tell me a little bit about the development of that AMG EA and, yeah. and what you've had to do within the organization in order to make that um, division as successful as you possibly can. Hmm. Of course, the, um, you know, the transformation of from combustion era to all electric era affects the entire company. So you cannot say you, you have a new team and this team is only doing all electric. And uh, I would say the employees of, of our company, so my team is constantly in, in transition from you know working on combustion engines and then in the future working on parts, components, uh, just activities in the electric era. Just to give you an example, I just recently met the team that is responsible for our high-performance battery that we will develop exclusively for the AMG EA. And some of the engineers that work in that department, they have been uh, formerly worked in uh, transmission engineering. Uh, because you still have, it's not only software, even the battery, high-performance battery has hardware components and the design and the, uh, the, 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 let's say, the realization of the battery requires the skills. And so that means we have employees that are, have been in the, let's say, I would say combustion era, but they are now working on the electric future of AMG. And this is valid for the entire um, organization. But, you know, we just recently or yesterday launched the uh, AMG GT uh, with a very interesting and attractive V8. So there will be V8s um, and combustion engines for AMG for a couple of years. So right now we are in this, maybe call it twilight zone. Uh, actually, it's three lights because we have combustion engines, we have our high-performance hybrids, and we are working full full uh, speed on the electric future. Almost having three feet in different areas, right? Yes. Uh, some people talk about having one foot in the current, one foot in the in the future, but you actually have three feet. Yeah. Right. But you know, it's not like that. We we have a team which takes uh, care of the past, and there is another small team takes care of the future, because we have functions. Let's say, for example, the guys that are responsible in my team for driving dynamics. One day they work on uh, combustion engine cars. The next time they work on pure electric mm -hmm. cars, and all the knowledge and the experience they have, because they know better than any one of us how an AMG should behave on a racetrack. Mm -hmm. And uh, we would be stupid not to rely on their experience. So we use them and say, okay, this is the DNA of AMG. And if we want to transfer it, of course, we need to have their experience and we need to use it. And of course, we need additional skills because if you have done the, let's say the fine tuning, so to say of an AMG or combustion engine AMG, uh, in the past that required different skills because in the future you will have like uh, electric motors, you can do torque vectoring, so software will play a much more important role. 
And that's why we just brought in additional knowledge and expertise to make sure that an AMG still or especially will feel um, like an AMG in the future as well. You're actually creating your own standalone software division, aren't you? Uh, a little bit, so to say, because, uh, you know, for Mercedes-Benz, we are developing our own software stack, which is called MBOS, Mercedes-Benz Operating System. Right. And uh, we are part of an engineering, uh, of the engineering Mercedes, or of the overall Mercedes engineering process from the beginning. So that means we also base on MBOS. But the software, for example, for the battery management or the uh, software for the electric drive unit will be completely developed only by AMG because it's so specific for a high performance mm. car that we need to do it on our own. And that will be also the thing that differentiates uh, Mercedes AMG from a Mercedes. Yeah. And that, of course, as you said, required that we need to hire some uh, engineers and some software experts that we didn't have in the past. Has that been um, a challenge and an opportunity to some extent? Um, just to just to come up with a, a new set of team members who are yes. only working? Yeah. yeah, definitely. And, you know, from time to time, I, I join our hiring events. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, when we go to a university and we try to attract the best from the best because, you know, we want to lead the pack. And that's why we said, okay, if we get software engineers for our company, we want to have the best. So we invite them to Afalterbach. And uh, usually they have like a get to know day uh, with my team and uh, then in the morning I join just the event and say okay I'm Michael and uh, thanks uh, thank you for coming here to Afalderbach and then in the afternoon when they have gone through our departments to our location and what we are doing I say you know what might be the difference from us to a software company if you work in a software company of course, uh, you know, you have this big software player here in the Silicon Valley and whatever. And, but I think we have also something to offer, which is, you know, you work on your computer, you program a certain software for our car, then you just leave your small little office in Afalterbach, go out, step into one of the most sexiest car on the <laughs> planet, and you can immediately test drive what you have just programmed. <laughs> and uh, I think this is an, ad ad uh, uh, it's an argument for us, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely different than working in Silicon Valley without yeah. having that second part of what happens, yeah. which is driving the yeah. sexiest you, car you on the You can planet. push the, and in this case, you can push the enter button and see something on the screen, but it's different when you can you yeah. know, you drive it on the road. Have you had to immerse those new team members, who perhaps the software engineers, into the culture of AMG to some extent? Or do they come in already aware and maybe uh, that's why they're there? I would say it's uh, partially this way and partially that mm -hmm. way. Um, so we have young people that didn't know anything about AMG. Yeah? And we got to know them via Instagram or mm -hmm. whatever. So they, they got to know us and now they are with us. And you know, we, our team grow, grew over the last year uh, significantly which makes us a very young company. So ready to conquer the world, so to say. A young, old company. Y yeah, yes, 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 yeah. yes. And, uh, but this means um, in, the, in the moment, we have reached a certain, I would say, size, which we need to settle again. Yeah, that means it doesn't make sense to hire even more, even more, even more people, which, because we want to make sure that we keep the DNA of AMG 
but at the same time we want to hire this so important experts that we need and of course there's also the war for talent yeah you know in in the stuttgart area in germany we have other manufacturers mm -hmm. there we have important automotive suppliers and they all are looking for software engineers but i would say with these nice products on the labor market we have a little advantage yeah for sure you are relatively new in your position mm -hmm. to some extent and prior to this you ran the German market for mm -hmm. uh, Mercedes-Benz. What have you learned in your experience now mm -hmm. being the head of the of the AMG unit mm -hmm. and uh, all of the facets that's, that that entails? Mm. So I, I actually, um, I started with the company in 2007. Um, I started in Sindelfing in our Mercedes Technology Center uh, and worked there in uh, product uh, development process, so project management in a very early development stage. And then after two years, I because I actually I studied economics, yeah, but uh, I wrote my diploma thesis uh, in that department. And when I finished that, um, occasionally there, there there was an open position, a vacant position, and they said, "Hey, this guy has done a good job. So, would you join our team?" So I started there, uh, did that two years, and then moved to uh, finance and controlling, and then uh, did some internal other jobs. So I I changed jobs I would say every two two and a half years mm -hmm. uh, which is also an advantage of such a big company like Mercedes-Benz because you can work in in different fields also in let's say in Germany also uh, somewhere abroad so I was in Luxembourg I was in Sweden for a couple of months or in Berlin which makes it quite interesting because you work in different functions but you never leave the family yeah you always stay with Mercedes and so that kind of prepared me for my current position because I have seen and learned many things. So I have been able to learn the finance processes, how they work in our company because I worked in finance and controlling. I worked in, in the development section, so I know how the development process is, how the culture is, how the team works. And I have been in the sales organization out there in the market, so I knew our customer base very well. And I know how sales and, let's say, a positioning of a brand works, etc., etc. So that gives me a little bit the background to do the job that I'm currently doing. And of course, uh, when I was then, let's say, uh, asked if I want to do this job, that was an absolute highlight because this is, I would say, my dream position, and I, I just love it. Dream position. Did, yeah. did you grow up a car boy, a car guy? Yes, yes, yeah? definitely. What are some yeah. of your earliest memories? Um, I actually, to be honest, my, I, I think I owned my first car when, when I was already 24, 25. Mm -hmm. So in Germany, you do your driver's license with 18. So uh, before I owned my own car, I always drove the car of my parents. And uh, they did not have the money to drive a Mercedes, to own a Mercedes. Uh, and so I started, my first car was actually a smart Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, at least you were in the family. Yeah, yeah. At least in the family. <laughs> so that was when I was already with Mercedes, uh, but it was the cheapest entry point that I could mm. do. Yeah. Four two. Yeah, yeah. A yeah. four two. Actually, at that time, a four two diesel. Okay, sure. Uh, with uh, thirty three kilowatts. So it was the, <laughs> the smallest engine that you can get. And there's a funny story around that, because uh, I drove that car, and uh, then I was eligible to my first company car, which I selected, and it was an AMG at oh. that time. It was a W204, um, that was the C-Class, the C63, mm. 6.2 liter. Wonderful. 
a wonderful. It's a big car. step yeah. up from a four two. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> and and that is the funny story behind it because uh, we have a location in the Stuttgart area. Um, when you when you got promoted to become a team leader and you have then access to a company car, uh, you drive there with your current car. You leave it there. Um, you get the key and the paperwork for the new car, and then you leave the area with your new car. So. I drove uh, onto the area, parked my little smart uh, in the backyard of the area and got into this uh, C63 yeah? and I just you know, pushed the button and the sound and everything was so crazy. <laughs> I was really afraid you know, to leave the building and the area with this car and the first week that I drove with the car, I only drove in uh, comfort mode, yeah, because I, I, I was not tough enough to go on Sport or Sport Plus. <laughs> so, uh, and I would say the first half uh, of the, the, the first half year after I got the car, I, I bel- almost lived in that car. Yeah, I was so excited and I just liked it. And this is how, since then, I, I have had the opportunity to drive many, many AMGs. Uh, and that's why also I'm, I'm so in love with the brand. A Project One, have you driven one of those yes, already? Yes, I've had the opportunity. Let's talk about that. Uh, I mean, so, this is the good stuff now, yeah, Michael. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> My first encounter with the car was, of course, when I took over the, the new world, the new position. I think that's why you took the position. Uh, yeah, yeah, it? Well, definitely <laughs> one, one decisive criteria. So my team said, and uh, I have a small team as well, does all the management and the engineering around the, the, the AMG One. Uh, they said, hey, Michael, uh, you need to test drive the car. And so I said, okay, why are we doing that? Yeah, of course, we can do it on, on the road, but we could also go to Immendingen, which is mm. our uh, test drive area, which is close to uh, Sindelfingen, which is uh, where our Mercedes-Benz development is located. And I said, okay, let's do this. And I asked them, you know, how much time do we need? Half an hour, one hour? And then they said, Michael, uh, we are driving an AMG One, so if you want to limit yourself to half an hour or one hour, you're stupid. <laughs> so let's schedule like four hours and or something like that. So uh, and I said, okay, let's maybe start with two hours. And so I drove there, and they explained every all the details to me, and I got into the car, and then we drove around the area, and and it was just awesome. So it's mm-hmm. like the speed, the acceleration, and and what you I think what you never experience if you only drive uh, street legal cars or street cars is the amazing downforce that uh, the car has. Yeah, So you can drive much faster corner speeds and uh, the guy that uh, is, so to say, the chief engineer within our team, he took me on the first lap and, and drove with me. And I was just impressed by it. And uh, then he said, okay, and you feel really, you know, after you were doing certain uh, uh, laps on the track, you just get a little bit more self-confidence and then you drive faster and faster. And there is a funny story uh, I want to tell you. Um, A couple of weeks ago, I had a second chance to drive with the car because we did a customer event for AMG uh, One customers in in Goodwood on the racetrack. And so we invited them because they are still waiting for their car before they get deliver, uh, get the car delivered in Afalterbach. And so we said to make you the, the waiting time a little nicer, just come there, we will have a few cars there and then you can drive with our professional drivers and you can get to know your car. And so uh, I flew to, uh, to the UK and uh, we have had Maro Engel. Uh, mm. I don't know whether you know him, 
he's a GT3 mm -hmm. or DTM uh, race driver and he did uh, also a race track uh, record lap on the Nürburgring I think it was six minutes 35 mm. seconds something mm. like that just amazing time mm. and so he was driving hot laps with the customers and he said okay Michael jump on the car and he drove with me and since we were in the UK at lunchtime George Russell uh, joined us and uh, luckily we had uh, three cars there and so George jumped into another car and then both of them just did a few uh, laps on the track and I was sitting with Maro in the second car and George was driving ahead and to be honest and fair Marco does know the car uh, a lot better because he did all the test driving with the car and so it was a little unfair but and I promised to uh, don't tell it anyone he was faster than George <laughs> and so he was chasing him on the racetrack and I was sitting on the passenger seat and uh, you know driving at let's say 260 kilometers per hour with two meters of distance to the uh, first car after three laps I had to say okay Mauro it's enough for me just give me a break because they were chasing all the time on the racetrack so we had a lot of fun what was George's reaction to the vehicle uh, he was also amazed by the car uh, and he really likes it because you know if you are a Formula One driver and uh, I cannot tell you the names but we have a few Formula One drivers that uh, actually bought one mm -hmm. uh, because it's the only possibility to drive a Formula One engine on public street roads. Street legal yeah. road, right, yes. exactly. Yes. And it's not only Mercedes drivers. Yeah, I can imagine. So there are some <laughs> others that uh, have at least the opportunity to drive a Mercedes Formula One powertrain once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. Um, how many Project Ones will there be? Uh, 275. Okay. Yeah. And what's the, the rollout like on that? What's the estimated time of delivery for customers over the next few years? What's the... No, no, no. We try to uh, deliver the cars in the in the next months. Maybe. Oh, you'll uh, be already. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. We are de we are already delivering yeah. the first cars, so it will take some time, uh, maybe a year. I don't know, but uh, because we want to make sure that the quality of the car is perfect, and you know, y you're putting a Formula One engine into that car, and and this is a little bit that sometimes the people forget, and which make, you know. It's much difficult, much more difficult than someone might think, and also the, than we have thought in the beginning. Yeah. Because imagine if you have a Formula One car, and you're at a Formula One race. Yeah. Mm. There are a couple of engineers that make sure that the Formula One car of Lewis or George even starts up. Yeah. Here you you want to have all the features that a standard street legal car has. So meaning you push a button and then the car just starts. So you need to put all the activities that the race engineers do on the racetrack, you need to put that into the vehicle. Mm -hmm. So like the catalyst, everything that's possible to make sure that you uh, achieve like the CO2 emissions that are required to make it a street legal car and everything. So we needed to put this into the car. We need to pass all the certification things that are necessary and to give them at least the, the, the possibility to drive the car on public roads although we know that some of the customers want to use the car on the racetrack as well yeah i just attended uh, uh, a customer that took delivery of his car uh, i think it was a tuesday and uh, we invite all the customers to Afalterbach. then we show them a little bit around and uh, our uh, one man one engine uh, uh, engineering uh, or engine production 
and then have lunch and then of course we have a ceremony where they then take delivery of the car and I spoke to the customer and I asked okay what are the plans what are your plans with the car and he said you know Michael I just booked a racetrack near my hometown I invited all my friends and so next weekend we will have a lot of fun on the racetrack wow <laughs> incredible after the break I'll continue my conversation with Michael Shiba CEO of Mercedes-Benz AMG and to see my interview with Michael, go to the Cars and Culture YouTube channel. Like and subscribe to see more than 110 interviews and nearly a thousand videos. The automobile is one of the most important inventions that revolutionized the modern world. In America, the rich history of car culture runs deep as technology continues to shape the future of the industry. Jason Stein is here to share the stories of people passionate about cars, from industry leaders and innovators to car-obsessed celebrities. Buckle up as Jason takes you inside the boardroom, onto the track, and around the bend on Cars and Culture on Sirius XM Business Radio. Welcome back to Cars and Culture. I'm your host, Jason Stein. Now the continuation of my conversation with Michael Sheba, CEO of Mercedes-Benz AMG. And to see my interview with Michael, go to the Cars and Culture YouTube channel. Like and subscribe to see more than 110 interviews and nearly a thousand videos. So let's talk a little bit about the sharing that does go on between Formula One mm -hmm. and AMG. I know that you're, you're very close um, um, business units mm -hmm. and there's a lot to be learned from both sides. Yeah. And in fact, AMG through the years has always been the beneficiary yeah. of any technology that's on the track. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have very close ties to our Formula One team. And uh, actually the Formula One team is, is two teams because there is the team, uh, the, the Formula One team itself located in Brackley. And then we have our high performance powertrains, which delivers the Formula One engines for our Formula One cars. And uh, like our uh, high-performance plug-in hybrids, mm -hmm. um, like in the GT uh, S63e performance, are heavily uh, inspired by Formula One technology. And uh, of course, we try to use that as much as possible. Um, you know, in Formula One, there will be a new uh, set of rules mm -hmm. uh, for the engines in 2026 which also requires the Formula One teams to have even larger batteries, to have, uh, they will have much more electric power. And since we have done a lot of things on uh, electric driving in the past, they also call us and to see, okay, what is the latest and greatest that you have encountered over your development process and what you have learned, just let us know. So there's a continuous, I would say, information exchange between the two teams. And just recently, uh, I called Toto because uh, we wanted to improve some aerodynamic uh, components in one of our cars. And I said, Toto, I, I, I need your engineers, uh, but I don't want to pay for it because uh, it's, you know, it's, uh, the, he has the absolute experts in terms of aerodynamics. And he said, of course, Michael, no problem. Uh, I will send them. And then our teams work together and and afterwards I asked my team, so did they, you know, bring you some additional benefits? And I said, yeah, they have some creative ideas. Sometimes uh, th these ideas that they have are a little, a little bit, I would say, unlimited mm. because mm. in Formula One, money is not that important because you only have to maybe develop and produce the parts and the components for one car. Yeah, So you cannot put it into a street legal cars, which will be produced several thousand times. But at least the, the concept, the idea, and to you know, uh, cross the boundaries and think much more ahead. 
this is so helpful to us. Um, but my team also said, you know, they were so impressed by us to try to put something into a street legal car that they said, okay, can we do a follow-up in a couple of weeks, etc., mm. etc. Et and uh, sometimes through our development process, we also find some interesting suppliers or some new concepts which we will then pass on to them and they said okay let's have a look on that maybe we can also use it in one of our formula one cars so uh, i think the teams work really really good together let's talk a little bit about the sports car exotic car market mm -hmm. these days yes and maybe particularly in america and mm -hmm. and i'll just preface it by saying this is your first time to pebble beach yeah i think you can really truly feel yeah. the passion that exists here yes. in the sports exotic yeah. car market, right? Yes. It, it's it's alive and well, and yeah. there seems to be a, an unlimited amount of momentum behind the purchase of these vehicles yeah. and the interest level. Yeah. You share the same? So, yeah. You know, Pebble Beach here is just amazing. Uh, through the last uh, three days, I have seen so many cars which I, you know, have had on my play cards when I was a chill child. Yeah. <laughs> And, and so I never thought that I will see these cars on public roads again. And I, I have seen all of them, I would say. Yeah, uh, so every when, one of them. Yeah, yeah. When you are a car enthusiast, just come here to Pebble Beach, I would say this is something which I learned and it's my first time here at Pebble Beach. And of course, it's also a very important platform to present ourselves um, with uh, our three top end brands, of course, Maybach. Mm. Um, as I said, uh, we, we, we just um, showed here the Maybach EQS SUV once again. Um, also the, the S-Class Maybach, which is a very important part in, uh, of our uh, top-end luxury strategy, or the G-Wagon. Uh, I think we have cars that perfectly meet the requirements of the customers that are around here. Um, we see that the luxury market there is uh, still continuous demand and, and customers requesting and demanding our products. So which is, of course, there's nothing better for engineers if you feel, you know, there are customers that are really interested in, in your product. So which motivates us more and more to come up with even more creative ideas, more interesting cars. The American market is, is like on mo mostly like any other, correct? In terms of its passion for... Yeah, it's of course the markets are different. Um, we have some cars. So let's let's take a very you know practical example. Uh, in the U.S., especially here in California, um, large convertibles or coupes mm. um, are highly demanded. Uh, the China, where we have also uh, a huge customers customer base for our Maybach products, two-door coupes are not that demanded and requested. So we need to make sure that in our portfolio, we cover all the products that you know satisfy the customer wishes and requirements. And the US market, of course, is one of our most important markets. And of course, they like the cars that we like to develop mm -hmm. and produce, yeah. Yeah, for sure. You, you mentioned um, G-Wagon part of your yeah. uh, responsibility. Yeah. I was there when uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger introduced the oh, latest yes, incarnation in uh, Detroit yeah. at the uh, Detroit Auto Show. What's the future of the G-Wagon? Where, where do you want to position that, mm -hmm. that vehicle going forward? It's uh, so iconic. Yeah, yeah. It has and its own culture too. Yes, and you, you just said it. It's so iconic. So uh, we, we want to leave it exactly there where it is. Yeah, it's just an icon in our product portfolio. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, the big news, of course, will be the launch of the EQG, mm -hmm. so um, the electric, the fully electric version of our G-Class next year. So it's ready to hit the market next year. And we are in the final development phase. Uh, I just, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was on a test drive in Barcelona uh, and had the chance with my team to drive a little bit around. Uh, we were not only on public roads, but also in off-road sections. Mm. And I can promise you, um, this car will set again new standards in terms of off-road mm. capabilities. So we said we need to keep the soul of the G-Wagon. Um, you know, when we launched a new model of the G-Class a couple of years ago, it did not much differ from its mm. predecessor. Yeah, we said the exterior design, uh, there will be some, I would say, enhancements, but it will keep its soul. And, and this is what we will also do with the, with the uh, EQG, with the electric version then of the, of the G-Class. Because um, this is why customers are buying the car. Mm. This is what they love. And, and so this was, I would say, priority number one. And then we said, okay, what can we do in terms of maybe additional features uh, that we can, you know, realize because it will now be a full electric version. So we will have four electric motors. This is what I can uh, tell you already. Um, very mounted, very close to the wheels. And uh, I don't know whether you have seen. We have will have a nice feature called tank turn. No, I don't know that. Uh, I, you need to look it up. Um, it's very cool because you have the possibility to steer the wheels on each side of the car in different directions. Ah. So you can sit in the car, it's placed on a, uh, on a position and then you just activate the tank turn and the car will just turn around on the current position without <laughs> steering at all. It's crazy. Amazing. Yeah. Um, when you think about uh, the limits that can be achieved um, or the possibilities that can be achieved mm -hmm. without limits maybe is a better way mm -hmm. to say it, with electric platforms, mm -hmm. what are some dreams that that an amg owner can mm -hmm. can that, that yeah. can become reality yeah so what are the possibilities well, i guess the, is what i'm saying okay so um uh, we always or, or sometimes I, I when i listen to to people or also to customers i speak to them um of course if you have the petrol heads they say yeah but then an electric future you won't have this and that, that anymore but there's a lot of opportunities that we will gain through electric drivetrains, yeah? like torque vectoring, mm -hmm. other features. So, um, you know, having an electric car, uh, straight uh, acceleration is not a problem. You see some compact cars or sedans which can accelerate on a straight very fast. But uh, I think the challenge is to make sure that an electric car is also fast on a racetrack. And we said, uh, before we launch, a fully dedicated AMG electric car. We make sure that we will also have, I would say, uh, justifying performance on a racetrack. And we will use all the possibilities that will electric motors provide to that. Um, we said we uh, will focus on actual flux motors. Um, most of our competitors today, uh, they use radial um, electric motors, but actual flux motors are much lighter, much more compact. Uh, which helps, of course, in the sports car segment. Um, so this will definitely be a technology feature. As I said, we will have our own high-performance battery. We will have our own high-performance electric drive unit. And I'm, I'm pretty convinced that we will see some records um, with these electric cars. 
Um, although, of course, the battery and the weight of the battery imposes some challenges. So you have to find countermeasures to make sure that you will still have, I would say, um, yeah, reasonable waste track performance. There's a lot of he uh, hesitation in North America, especially recently, a yeah. lot of um, conversation about consumers being completely ready for this sort of yeah. adjustment and, uh, and a little bit of pulling back from some brands. Mm -hmm. um, do you worry that the consumer is ready for to go all in on this or is there enough of a bridge to get, and maybe the AMG mm -hmm. GT is a perfect example yeah. of yeah. the bridge that gets you to mm -hmm. where you need to yeah. be? So of course we will have some certain time before we launch the car. Um, I expect uh, that we will launch it by the middle of the decade. Mm -hmm. So there is uh, a little bit time to go. Um, but um, I'm so convinced by, by the product itself and everything that I see because of course I know what the car will be capable right. of. So right now uh, that we will uh, convince the customers that uh, electric driving does not mean uh, you have to sacrifice something. Yeah, there will be additional features, but this is also part of the DNA when I said we need to carry the DNA of the brand into the future. So we need to make sure that the customers still have, for example, this, this feeling I'm sitting in an AMG, so I have a connection to my car, uh, I have purebred uh, performance uh, uh, power feeling, and, and so I will definitely promise you we will ensure this. Hmm. Is this the most pivotal time that you could recall of being in the auto industry? Yeah, it's yeah been talked I, about. I would so, say so, yeah. yeah. So there's so much going on. And uh, of course, there's a lot of things to learn. And, and, and this is what I, you mentioned. There are some competitors that uh, were, were hyped, mm -hmm. so to say, uh, very strong. And I, of course, I saw that as well. Uh, but I can tell you also some things where I would say, okay, if, this, if we would have done this, we would have done it a little bit different. And this is why, of course, uh, I think, you know, customers will very fast recognize is a car a real performance car or is only a person saying, okay, this is a real electric performance car. And when we launch it as a performance car, then it will definitely be a performance car. Do you expect motorsports to also follow the same direction? I mean, you mentioned yeah. that the next iteration of Formula yeah. One engines will go more electric. Yeah. Will we get to, and of course there's Formula E that yeah. already exists, yeah. but yeah. do you figure that there's more room to go on the motorsports? I, I think so. In the in the in the future, there will be electric motorsports. Yeah, you know, Formula One is also getting uh, into the direction. So, right. as I said, uh, the rules in 26 with the new engines will change, and there will be higher portions of electric driving and so on and so on. But I'm I'm convinced. So, Mercedes-Benz uh, was born on the racetrack. Um, Mercedes-AMG was born on the racetrack. And, and this is part of our DNA. So we committed to stay in, for example, customer sports, GT3 driving. Uh, so we will definitely do there something and this will be combustion driven for a couple of years mm. uh, because this is the only way to make sure that you have a race with uh, a specific amount of laps to make sure because this will not work with an, with an electric car. So we will see this uh, at least uh, according to, to, to my perception and, and to my opinion. But then, let's say at the end of the decade, maybe beginning of the next tech decade, there will be more and more also electric driving. Hmm. Yeah. But I would say in the next years, we will focus on, in customer sports, I would say at least on, on combustion engines. A couple of final things. Um, 
if we have this conversation a year from now, mm -hmm. sitting here at Pebble Beach for your second Pebble Beach yeah. visit, what will you want to have accomplished mm -hmm. in the previous 12 months? Oh, interesting question. Um, first, I want to see the AMG GT that we launched yesterday uh, in the first customer hands. And of course, customers should be satisfied with the car. They should love it. And uh, that will be a, a big achievement. Uh, of course, we want to grow the brand. Um, we have a lot of cars uh, just launched re recently, uh, like our C-Class, the C63, the C43. Um, next year, the uh, GLC uh, will hit the market in the US. So if we can increase our customer base and uh, have customers that you know are impressed by what we are doing, I think that will be a big achievement for me. In a vehicle like this, yeah. the EQS into more hands yeah. and, and the realization by the, by the customer that, that everything stays the same with an AMG, yeah. it's just a different drivetrain. Yes. Because that's really the only thing yes. that's changing, truly. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, perhaps a, a return on the motorsports side mm -hmm. to uh, um, a more competitive nature. I'm, yeah. I, I mean, Mercedes-Benz was competitive for dominant for yeah. so long, and now yeah. we see a bit of a flip yes. that's gone on in the last two years. But I know yes. that no one's resting over there. Correct? No, no. Yeah. That's that's just you know it's motivation, and of course sometimes it's also frustrating to right. be honest. Yeah, but this, this is like in every sport. Yeah, uh, it's good to, to to be the first and the best. Uh, but uh, it will it will change over time, and it would be boring for yeah. uh, all the fans if there would be only one team that is winning. And we have done that many many years. So now there are other teams that are uh, also quite successful. But uh, I can assure you that the team in Brackley is just working like hell um, to turn it again into you know into our direction, and that we will uh, lead the teams and and the races as well. Finally, you'll be in Las Vegas for the yes. race this year, won't you? Yes. Yeah. What's that going to be like? <laughs> I think this is going to be a huge event. Yeah. Um, of course, Las Vegas and Formula One together, it's, it's just <laughs> an amazing combination. I'm looking forward to that. We also plan to do some uh, customer events around that. And uh, I think everyone is just excited to see how that works out. And, and I'm really impressed by you know, uh, the Netflix series that kind of uh, brought also new fans to the, to the race series. Yeah? So you see how Formula One in the U.S. grew over the last years. It's just it's impressive. Crazy. It's crazy. And uh, we see that our fan base, so the Formula One team fan base, grew over the last years significantly. So um, I'm really excited and uh, looking forward to that event. You have come a long way since that smart 4.2 that you dropped off yes. in your first <laughs> AMG. Thank you for having me in the back of the uh, EQS and, and for talking about your own path as well as the path of what's to come with AMG. Thank what you a pleasure. for having me. Thank you, Thank Michael. You. Thank you. Enjoy Pebble Beach. Thank you. Thank you to my guest today on Cars & Culture, Michael Shiva, CEO of Mercedes AMG. To see my interview with Michael, go to the Cars & Culture YouTube channel. Like and subscribe to see more than 115 interviews and nearly 1,000 videos. You can follow us, of course, on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm Jason Stein. We'll see you down the road.